Greetings and welcome to Second Breakfast, the second most important meal of the day. I'm Sean. And I'm Jason. Sean, what's for second breakfast today? Don't don't cry yet. We're not done. We're not done. We still have next week. This week we're talking about episode eight, the season finale of the first season of Amazon Prime's original series, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, titled Alloyed. What a name. What a title. Like it's good, yeah. but it's kinda low-key not. Like Yeah, it's weird. It's, like it makes sense. I get it. Kind of a low-key title. Directed by Wayne Chiyip, who's done a ton of episodes this season. Written by Jennifer Hutchison, who wrote, uh, I think, Adar, the second episode, or maybe the third episode? No, yeah, not Adar. The, yeah, I was going to say, Adar is the third or fourth. Adar is the third. I think she wrote the second. Hmm. She wrote the second episode, and also written by J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, the showrunners. Uh, yeah, like, I, I hope everybody enjoyed uh, getting a little extra episode this week in between. Yeah. We got to talk with Shane and Jesse from Meadow Vista Media. Yeah. Uh, just about the music the overall. Boys. The boys. It was a great time. If you guys have not listened to that, I really recommend that you do. And yeah, I mean, like I said, this isn't the end. We're going to have one more episode after this. I want to get this out of the way before we jump in, just so that um, anybody that doesn't listen to the end knows what's up. There's going to be one more episode after this where we're just going to talk about, like, you know, the whole thing overall. Um, yeah, we might have to have a segment on Sauron and just, like, yeah. going through, like, things that happened in previous episodes mm -hmm. or something. Well, yeah, we've got some plans for stuff like, uh, you know, they're going to take two years to to make another season, probably. No, we'll be back before two years. Don't remind me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, not not weekly, but every couple months, I'm sure we'll come up with some something with to do. Something, we'll, with something, something. We'll pop back up. So so worry not. There will be intermediate stuff or intermittent is what I was looking for. Intermittent stuff <clears throat> to yeah. keep you uh, to keep you held over during the uh, the dark times of the in-between seasons um yeah the drought the drought the content drought uh jason you know a thing or two about podcasting through content droughts. Uh, <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> i want to jump to the discord which you guys can join this link to do so in the in the uh episode descriptions where we have some thoughts from people i want to start with zombie who just said that was good thanks oh, yeah. zombie thanks <laughs> he's a man of few words man of few words but they're good words Iron Agro said best yet, which I don't know about that, but I thought it was pretty know. good. Dude, I might, I might, I don't know. I, like, part of me really agrees with him, and then part of me is like, well, there was other really cool stuff too. So I don't know. I, I'm my rating is definitely at least a nine, but I'm not. Yeah. It might go up to nine point five. I don't know that it's a ten, but yeah, yeah. I think that the stuff in this episode, like the things that happen, is the best yet. I don't know that I think right. the execution is the best. Um, even though I was a lot happier with the execution than I thought I was going to be. Swarles Barkley said, So I said I would hold on last week's episode. This was a good season as a whole. I just missed Durin already. I think the reveals were good, and I can't wait to see where they take it. Hell yeah. Phil Games said, uh, said, Wow, that was an amazing episode. I think that the reveals were handled pretty well. And here we go. Spoilers. If you haven't watched the episode for some reason... Turn it off. Turn off the podcast. Right. <laughs> and the Hallbrand reveal was near perfection. I think the line they chose to reveal the stranger as Gandalf was also a good choice. It's a memorable yeah. line, but still non-specific enough that it didn't come off as cheesy. And I'm not sure about this, but that was that line only in the extended cut of Fellowship? If so, that would make this reveal even more subtle, which I think you did say that it, it is only in the extended cut. Yeah, as far as the movies, yeah. 
I'm curious to see what they'll do with Sauron after this. I almost wonder if they'll have him change forms again to keep us guessing who he is in later seasons. Maybe introduce a crap ton of new characters next season and then not reveal who he is for a few seasons or something. But maybe that would feel redundant. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we're going to I don't think we're going to do the uh, who's Sauron thing again, especially with how if um, there's been a lot of interviews that have come out uh, pretty much. I think we finished the episode and I refreshed my Twitter account at like one in the morning, Friday morning. And there mm -hmm. were like four interviews with Hallbrand and the <laughs> and the showrunners that were published like as like as soon as you could have possibly finished the episode, the review or the interview was up, you know? Um, yeah. And it, it sounds like um, uh, Char Charles, Charles Vicker, is that his name? Charlie Vicker? Charlie Vickers. Yeah. Charlie Vickers, who plays um, Hallbrand or Sauron, I guess. I got to get used to calling him Sauron. Right. <laughs> um, uh, he was, he, it sounds like he's back for season two and it, it yeah. sounds like he's now a main character in the cast. You know, like, like right. I mean, he was a main character, but he's a main character. I'd as say he's Sauron, the main character now. Is kind of how I read it as well from what they yeah. were saying in interviews. It sounds like if this first season's main character is Galadriel, then at least the second season's main character is Sauron. Yeah. Well, because there's a lot of stuff, like I've said before in previous episodes, like, basically the stuff that has to happen in Numenor, all the people are already there. Yeah, and the the stuff that has to happen in, in with the elves, like they're already already there. The only people who are not like ready for the stuff that's going to happen in this age are the bad guys. Like they just yeah. have so much stuff they have to do. So it makes a lot of sense that this next season would be a Sauron, like yeah, centric season. And he said in a lot of interviews, we're gonna get his background right. We're gonna we're gonna find out why he was on the boat at the beginning of this season, like. We're gonna, we're they're gonna, they're gonna tell us everything next season about Sauron. They're gonna, they're ready to finally pull the, uh, pull the veil back, if you will. Chet Zale said, "I'm a bit upset. The stranger, aka obviously Gandalf, didn't even try to help Sadik. I guess his powers are strange even to him, but at least try it. And they should have showed at least, at least a little bit of Durin. He's part of the story too, and it's awkward he misses out on the finale." I kind of thought it was a little weird that they didn't show anything from the dwarves as well. I don't know. Because um, I think... I think I think this episode feels rushed. Uh, I, I think, disagree. I do think this episode... I think they kind of were like... We gotta get through some stuff now at the end. And I don't, I don't think it like it's rushed in the way where it like... Oh, this ruins it for me. It's just like all the, all the Sauron stuff happens way faster than I would have expected. And you clearly can see there's no room to cut to a different storyline because they have so much to do with the Sauron storyline. And I think that's partly because they wanted to, they didn't want to do like a season long, like, oh, oh, look, Sauron's doing his thing, right? They wanted it all to happen right at the end, which I think, I think works, but I think it also means that you have to really move at a pace where you don't have time to cut to different storylines. Like the dwarves or elves, and or like sorry, not the elves, like the dwarves or the Southlands. Uh, like we don't see a sealed door in this episode. I think the only the only way I don't think it's rushed. I think that it's just like with what has to. Ha I I think it's just a different pace. I don't think that it's rushed, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like I I definitely think that it is faster than what is happening. But like I I think I think of this whole season as like an epilogue season or a prologue 
or yeah, yeah, not epilogue, yeah, yeah prologue season. And <laughs> uh, because of that, I'm fine with at the end, you know, a, a lot of stuff does happen, but I think the only other thing they could have done then is just to make the show nine episodes. Because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, would you rather not find out who the stranger is or not really find, or I just don't think it would be as satisfying. Um, because yeah, yeah, I do agree. It definitely feels like we are, it was like, I don't know, like 60% or, or even 70% Alves and Hallbrand. And then like 25%, uh, stranger. the Harfoots, yeah, Yeah. And the stranger. And then like 5% Numenor. Right. Yeah. Like and there's we'll just talk- like no way you could throw in the dwarves as well to me. And I think that the there ending wasn't room for it for sure. I think if you throw another 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes on this episode and you just do a really long finale. I could see that too. I think that would think- worked a little bit better. Yeah. And I, I would have liked it as well. Just like longer stuff. Yeah. I'm fine with, you know, mm-hmm. I think that would have been cool, but I also, okay. What, what are they going to do? That would be a satisfying ending from what they already did, right? Like, you have, you know, the Durans fighting or whatever. Unless you, Mm -hmm. like, just wanted to really cliffhanger and find out, like, oh, like, Duran the Third fell into a coma or something, or... I think I would have liked that fight, that, like, that dynamic to have come to a head in a way of, like, Mm. some sort of... Like, we were talking about last week, like, there being a heart attack or something, like, some... Some kind of Odin shit, you know? <laughs> like Right, right. And I, I I will say, like, I guess kind of spoilers for the rest of the show, maybe, but I mean I think everybody knows this. Sealdor I think leaving a Sealdor on a oh no, he's dead thing is kind of really stupid. I don't like, think so. I, if you're gonna do it with anybody and like you don't have like enough screen time to because I, I I would assume with what they want to do with him is that it would take too long to have any type of satisfying cliffhanger or whatever in this first season. Because, mm-hmm. like, he's 100% showing up in in the second season, I would I would think, pretty, I mean, yeah. pretty yeah, quickly, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Here's how they could turn it around, right? What if, what if the rest of that scene from the end of this episode, Sauron immediately runs into a sealed door? I mean, yeah, I can, and like I can we get some, we get some episodes of those two together or something. Like, I just I don't know how Isildur then lives that interaction, unless Halbrand is just still under the guise, or he's like, oh, he doesn't know that I'm yeah. Sauron, obviously, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I I just think that it's a little silly to do like the fake out death on a character that I think for the most part a lot of people realize that he can't be dead. Right. Yeah. I think if it was like. I almost think if they did a fake out death for Elendil, I would buy that more. Mm. I could be like, right, maybe they really are gonna to be there, right? Yeah, maybe maybe it's like maybe they really are gonna just replace Elendil with Isildur, you know? And you'd be like, this is terrible writing for two years. You'd be like, how dare they get rid of Elendil? And then you know, you come <laughs> back and you're like, oh, yo, Elendil is still alive, you know? Whereas I, I think just like, think with Isildur, it's like not for a second am I like, oh, are they just not gonna have Isildur in the rest of the show? <laughs> you know, like. Well, I think Asildor just has, like, the most growing to do out of, like, mm. the Numenor cast. 
like not like physical, but like as a character. Like he has to yeah, have the most yeah. character arc for him to be compelling at the end. Um, I like that he is left alone though on Middle Earth, so that yeah. he has that room to grow. I do like that. Yeah, I I think that that's the idea, and I'm fine with it, especially because it's like okay, they don't show it, and we all know he's not dead. So I'm fine with it. The idea is, yeah, you know, he's he's got to grow. So to me, I'm not really mad that he's not in the episode or, or that they leave it on a cliffhanger. Because I, I think it would feel cheap if literally uh, within the same, like, one episode or whatever, he's already been found and everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, that would probably be cheap as well. I don't know. I, I really don't. I think rewatching it when you're, like, going once season two is out, right? And you're, like, yeah. re- you watch season one and you're going into season two. I think it will feel better that way too. Yeah, for sure. I I guess I just stand on the point of like, I think the fake out death to begin with doesn't work for me. So like, I guess you're right. Regardless how, if they would have just brought him back immediately, it would have been like, okay, then why did you even do this? I, I really don't think there's any way they can bring Isildur back into the story where I'll be like, I'm happy that they did this fake out death. You know, Mm. at this point I'm just like, okay, they did this, whatever, let's get past it and move on. You know, I don't, I, I don't think well, this is necessary. I don't really think you it's can... like the fake out death in order to have the fake out death. It's it's a fake out death in order to put him in a, in a position where he can have character development. I would I would agree, but the only More thing than is just political intrigue. <laughs> but but the the only thing that makes me think that it would be it's it is a fake out death for the audience as well is then why wouldn't you show that he's alive before the season's over? Unless you wanted 2 years of people going a sealed door died, you know? Like at least the general audience. I don't know. That way. When he's literally in the prologue of the Fellowship of the Ring, one of the like, yeah, best intros, <laughs> like in cinema. Like I don't know. I-, I think most people know that he's he's the one who's wearing the ring and gets killed. Like yeah, I don't know. Which is why I think that the, it doesn't work to mm. leave him in that state for two years. You know, like. Uh... Even if they had shown just, like, a shot of him, like, crawling out of a fucking under the rubble or something, and you Mm. leave it there. Or maybe, like, an orc walks by him and captures him or something. Like, I I think there was a different cliffhanger you could have done for Isildur without the implication being that he's dead. Mm. We, uh, uh, let's talk about how we felt about the episode overall now that we're done debating Isildur. Uh, (laughs) That's the last time he's going to come up in this episode. Uh, Jason, how'd you feel about the episode overall? Dude, really, really good. Um, I'm I'm sad it's come to a close. <laughs> I won't cry on this episode. Next um, no, I I really liked it. There's literally only one part, and we I think we both are, are gonna talk about it. That mm-hmm. it's just like I don't fucking care about this uh, scene at all <laughs> yeah. in any way, shape, or yeah. form. Um, like even worse than making it so that the elves need to bathe in the light of mithril like it's yeah. worse than that like i yeah. just really don't care yeah um and i feel like that's the thing that makes me deduct a half point like i i might be saying it's a 10 out of 10 if not for this like if there was something with like replace that scene with the seal door or the doors or something bro for the mm-hmm. love of god mm-hmm. like it's a it's only like a three minute scene or something but still i don't care give it to anybody else yeah i i i agree I um I think I'd give this like an 8.5. I like I said I felt like it happened a lot of stuff happened really quickly. Um 
I enjoyed everything that happened. I think I just would have liked a, a, a little more breathing time between, uh, specifically in the Sauron plot. And I do think that's where cutting away to the dwarves or the, um, the dwarves or Isildur would have kind of helped that feel a little less, a little less frantic in its pacing. Mm. Um, I, I think I've, it's just more on purpose that it's like, okay, you have literally a group of people calling the stranger Sauron. But then you have this person who is doing the things that Sauron does. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, huh. And and having those back to back to back, I think is I think that on works. purpose and I like it. I think that works. I like the cutting between those. I think like with the Sauron stuff, it's just like they're like, okay, we have three weeks to do this. And then it's just boom, 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 boom. You know, I feel like if it had been like, okay, first attempt. All right, cut away to a sealed door. All right, we're doing another attempt. Cut away to Durin or something. Like I just spacing out that storyline a bit i think would have helped me uh help me with that with that i i think it would have felt a little less um breakneck and it's pacing for me uh mm. i agree on the numenor thing that's what you're talking about if i if i were writing this episode we would not have gotten any of those scenes i i would have kicked specifically off. like in numenor yeah i also i think, I think the, boat, the boat scene i think I the boat scene's fine season two i think the boat like, scene's fine it's like Two minutes, and I I think there was so much grief and dread mm -hmm. in the last scenes with Numenor that it would yeah. feel bad to not have at least even a glimmer of hope, right? Because that's supposed to be like the one of the driving themes in Lord of the Rings, right? Is like there's all these terrible, terrible things happening, but you know people are deciding to press on anyways, right? Both, both like the elves, literally, that's like what happens with Galadriel and Elrond, and then that there's like a similar parallel scene with Muriel and Elendil. So I like that scene. The in Numenor scenes, I don't care. So like, would you also cut the scene where they get back and they see that the king is de has died? Because I think that undercuts the hopefulness of the rest of the scenes where they're I'd on probably the cut that scene, especially, and I I think we'll talk about it more later. Like they use that scene in like. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it later. But yeah, I would I would I would probably cut that scene as well. I think you just have the scene with them on the boat, and you're like, okay. And then it ends with, "Sir, we can see the land." And then yeah. you cut back to the Sauron plot or whatever, right? Or yeah. the Harfoot plot or something, right? Yeah. Uh. But yeah, uh, it's it's just it's kind of hard for them to be able to you know jump back and forth a little bit because you know the. I guess they could have cut to like, like Rondier or something. Like I, I don't know like what they're doing really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, Which and I, I think don't... that's something else I would have liked to. Um, I wish I was going into season two knowing what Rondier was doing. Like, are they just hanging out in that camp now? Like, what? Well, I mean, we I know that they they're, know they're, that they're going to try to that and colony, go. But... Yeah. I guess yeah. I, I guess that's enough. I yeah. I, uh, I probably would have preferred to have a scene where you know they're traveling or something, mm -hmm. and just have a maybe like a you you know like in the Return of the King. I believe it's the Return of the King. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's the Return of the King. Or no, 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 no. It is the Two Towers. Where? <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> Where they're traveling to Helm's Deep, 
and it's like mm-hmm. uh Gimli talking with um Eowyn and they're, yeah. they're just talking yeah. about certain things between their their different types of people like mm-hmm. ha- have that where you know maybe like Theo and Arondir are, are are talking about something or like have like a teaching moment or something mm-hmm. just like a, a a a small nice scene that we get finally where they can actually be a bit normal for a minute and i think it would break up you know the franticness of the Sauron 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 yeah. that the rest of the episode is but and then you could even tie it back i think if you had if you had the epilogue of like the episode or whatever be a, a scene where Arondir is like teaching Theo something, right? And that, and they're traveling. Yeah. He's like they're practicing archery or something, and then somebody's like a, a rider is coming. You know, somebody's somebody's coming, and then Hallbrand shows up, and he like, and you have this kind of feeling of dread of like, oh shit, they don't know, and mm. Hallbrand is like, all right, my people, I'm back, and now we know that he's Sauron and he's in control of these people, but nobody else there does. That would have been, I think, a nice moment of like, we would have gotten to catch up with, with uh, the with with the Southlanders one last time, while also having this kind of moment of dread of like, that oh, been cool. what's gonna happen? Yeah, well, and and the fact that he we see him like in Mordor, yeah, I think he's abandoned that angle. At yeah, least for so the I, time I have being. no idea what his like, yeah, what his play is. Let's talk about Numenor because I really don't have a lot to talk about with Numenor except for okay. like. Uh, I thought the scene on the boat was good. I liked, I liked that. I thought that that was mm-hmm. good. I really didn't give a shit about anything with the audience. Um, my notes for that scene are Z, 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 Z. <laughs> I don't care about Aadian, even though she's the love of my life. And I also don't <laughs> like the idea that her being a literal brand new apprentice who is just mopping the floors a couple of episodes ago without even seeing any of her... It's not like we even got a single scene where, oh, you know, she's finally, you know, being able to... Hey, look at this building I designed, you know? like Right, right. <laughs> something, right? Like, we see her drawing and scribbling stuff, but we don't see her actually interact, which I don't care. Like, I wouldn't want to see it either. But, yeah. like, in the, in the grand sc- scheme of what's happening in Middle-earth, I wouldn't care either way. But we don't even see it, so it just feels very much like... I am only here because Kemen likes me. It just yeah. makes it feel dirty. Especially with the way he's standing behind her when they show her in yeah. that scene. Like it Yeah, I didn't I didn't like that. If he wasn't there, I'd feel a little bit better about it. But the fact that he's literally like looming over her in the background, it's it's pretty weird. Also, also the scene the the king says he says, I know what you've been doing in the dark of night when you thought all other eyes were asleep. Yeah. I don't know if it's a nod to what so Gandalf says it in the books, but Grima says it when he's mm, talking Wormtongue? to Eowyn. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He says it to Eowyn. I don't know if it's supposed to be a callback or if they're saying that, like, King Palantir thinks Muriel was doing something bad on the low. <laughs> I don't know. I'm leaning more towards it just being a nod. Yeah, I think it's just probably a nod. He's just kind of kooky. I mean, I-, I guess I understand what the purpose of this is, right? It- it's... She's going to go touch the plant here, see the vision. Like, I wonder if it is going to be the vision or if it's going to be something else. But I think it's going to be the vision. She's going to equate it to the elves and she's going to join Farazan on his like crusade. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be kind of Elendil's house split, you know, and yeah. he's kind of also maybe a little conflicted because of everything that happened in this season. Like narratively, I understand what they're trying to do here. 
it just feels so tacked on in this episode. Yeah. And it feels like there's no, it's just like, she's going to like, I feel like if you don't, if you weren't thinking far enough ahead, like we do, where we're like, okay, what is the purpose of each and every scene? What is the story they're trying to tell? You're not going to know why they showed those scenes, right? Like she starts to look into the plant here and then we don't ever see the rest of it. Cause I think like to the general audience who isn't like trying to figure out everything that's going to happen before it happens, you know, they're going to be like, okay, I feel like I kind of got blue balled here. You know, like you, you set a promise, right. That she's going to look into this thing and then you don't give me resolution to it. Like, and it's, it's not a big enough thing that it's like a cliffhanger for the season. It's just kind of like, why didn't, why didn't we continue the storyline? What happened? You know, I just, I, 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 yeah, I was, I'm fine with it because I don't really care about it. But yeah, I, I, I can understand that. The the one thing I really don't understand about this, though, is that in previous episodes, they make it seem like the king is like a recluse locked in this tower, specifically for believing in the old ways, for being like an mm-hmm. elf lover, right? Mm-hmm. And then now, even before he's even dead, they're like revering him and they're like, we're going to build, which is a very Numenor thing to build these... Mm-hmm. Uh, houses of the dead that are just like more lavish than the people who are literally even like in the slums right like you could be spending all of this time and effort to help those people but you're building these lavish like yeah. tombs right um for no one to even be in them either right mm. like besides a dead person mm. um and then like it's so weird to have that when episodes ago, let's say Palanter went out in the street, like he, he, he <laughs> snuck out because he's an old crafty man. Yeah. They would have like been yell. A crowd would gather around him and they'd all be shouting at him, calling him an elf lover and then locking yeah. him back up. Right. I think it's so, kind of like the, I, I honestly, honestly, I think this is very realistic. The idea of like when somebody's on their deathbed, even if everybody hates them, there's this kind of social pressure to be like, Okay, well, be nice to the dead person, you know? Yeah, no. Like, you I see get, that a lot in real life, I think, as I well. I get that, for sure. But the problem that I then get with it, right, is that, mm. so, like, they're referring to him as the king, and, like, they're referring to her as regent, like, the whole time. Mm-hmm. What it then makes, it, it messes with how I think about it logically, though, because, like, if there was a, a flashback scene to know whether or not he became loopy before being deposed in like a little bit mm-hmm. like obviously part of its old age right but i don't know yeah. that he wasn't because he specifically states himself he's looked in it too much he doesn't know what is real what is to come or what has been right mm-hmm. and i think it would have been nice to know a little bit more because they make it so vague they're just like oh because he believed in the old ways but to me, it more feels like they're, oh, you know, we're respecting him. We just opposed him because, you know, we still have respect for him, but he's just loopy. So we think he's like kind of unfit to rule rather mm-hmm. than, oh, we hate that you're an elf lover. Yeah. But if he's just like loopy, if he's just more loopy because of age and I mean, if he was locked in his tower and wasn't deranged, he'd probably be looking at the plants here a lot more because he's yeah. just like there's nothing yeah. else to do yeah. or is like yeah. stressing out about his kingdom and then becomes loopy with that and old age and stuff. I, I think it, it just made, it made me question like, wait, okay. So like he's the King, but like it, it just made it really weird to me. It was something that 
on my second watch, I didn't really think about the first watch or second watch. Through. I was just like, wait, what, what is going on here? dude?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I get that it's supposed to show that Farazan is seeing that the king's dying and there's a shift in in power in power. And then now he doesn't know. But we know as viewers that Muriel's also blind. Mm. Um, so He's going to find out real soon. There, it doesn't look like they're hiding it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like they were going to, didn't it? Like they were going to try I, they to. They were going to try, maybe, but then she walks out onto the right the boat with the blindfold on. So. Yeah, that, that's I, what was weird. I think it was kind of a thing of like I, I Lendil going, "Hey, you don't need to hide it and do this on your own. I'm with you." You know, like instead mm. of going through this big deception, this big like that'll leave you lonely in the end. Let's just face it together. Um. Which I think works. And I think that's that's my favorite part of the Numenor scenes in this episode. And it starts yeah. a trend that we'll talk about through the rest of this episode. And I was reading interviews where the um where the showrunners were talking about this, talking about how like this show is about the rings of power, they wanted to do what they call like ring storytelling. Uh just kind of like like um, cyclical storytelling almost where it comes back around to itself. And he they said, like, you're going to notice a lot of things in this finale repeat from the first couple episodes or from earlier in the season. Watch that as the show goes on to continue happening throughout the rest of the seasons. But like you get the scene without any explanation. Like I it took me to my second watch through to realize what was happening um, where. Elendil is talking to Miriel and he's talking about why he brought Galadriel onto the boat. And he says, Elendil doesn't just mean he who loves the stars or whatever. And I was like, what are you talking about again? And then I remember there was a scene way earlier in the show about how. Yeah, it's a throwback. Yeah, about how um, Elendil means like elf friend or whatever. Mm. Um, and so you see that a lot. There's a lot of lines in this episode that are calling back to lines or events from earlier in the season. And they said that was something that they really wanted to do and they really want to continue doing as the seasons go on. Um, I really have nothing else about the Numenor storyline. Yeah, really the last thing is I, I, I do like the relationship between them. I, mm -hmm. I, I believe it. it it's, it's a belief like they have good chemistry as actors. I'm glad it didn't get romantic um, at the end. I was so no, worried during that yeah. scene. I, I was did like, not please want that don't, to happen. Please either. don't. Like, I think him, her, like hugging him or something yeah. would be fine. But if, it, like, if they kissed, I'd be like, really, yeah. bro? Ain't no I way. I was worried, dude. I was. I was scared. gonna be mad. Uh, but okay, she's been blind for two episodes. Mm -hmm. and we've already had two times where it's her being like, "What? What's happening?" And then Elendil's <laughs> just, like, too emotional to say anything. Yeah, right? yeah. To have those... I, I think for it to happen twice is fine, but to have it two episodes in a row, it's like, yeah. come on, dude, this can't continue. Yeah. Like, both in a, yo, you're fucking up type of way, and also in a, this is a boring trope type of way, like, you've already done it twice, please yeah, stop. Yeah, you can't keep doing this, please don't do this six times an episode in season two. Like, you know? I get he's like, literally in the middle of grieving his son, like, it just happened in the first episode, and she's saying we're gonna return, and so he's grieving. But then, like, to find that the king is dead, and he, he I could I get, he's, he's, like, grieving for her a bit and doesn't know how to tell her, but it's, come on, bro, at least say, like, I'm so sorry, or like my queen, I'm sorry, or or something along those lines. Like say something, dude. The the silence and, trope, I'm already over it. 
And that's where I think saving their return to Numenor for season two would have helped a little bit as well. Yeah. You know, even even if that scene right there of him, like, at least you would have had two years in between, you know, not a week. Yeah. Um, Let's move over to the Harfoot slash Stranger storyline, or shall I call him Gandalf? I'm still Copium. They don't say that he's Gandalf. In all the interviews, they're still being cagey about who he is. Um, It's... I, it's it's pretty Gandalf. He's one thousand uh, percent. Yeah, Gandalf. yeah. Uh, the big thing in this episode is a magic fight between him and the three cultists who have names now. Yeah. Uh, in the subtitles, two of them are named. The third one is not named in the subtitle, but I got they it in are, the credits. Yeah. Um, the nomad, the ascetic, and the dweller. Yeah, the dweller, slim shady. Um, yeah. I so like I really like the CGI. The problem that I have is that when they are talking and they don't have the filter on their voice, Uh I hate how the lines are delivered. Like, Mm. I hate it. It's bad. It's terrible. I don't think, and I don't think that's bad acting. I think it's direction. I think they're like, that's definitely somebody telling somebody else to do a certain voice and it really not working. Mm -hmm. But then once the filter comes on and they're doing the exact same lines in like the exact same way. I love it so much more. Like, it, yeah. it works, it clicks, but it's, like, as if they didn't know what parts they were going to have the filter on. Maybe they had, were going to have it the whole time. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, it's definitely a direction thing. But the CGI in this, bro, is so good. cool. And it's the sound really effects, amazing. I, lo- I always love the really almost, like, warbly-type noises in films. I I I love at the beginning we get a cold open where they are like you are Lord Sauron and I was like okay cool so he's not Sauron <laughs> like yeah um dude I, the magic in this episode is just so cool I was scared at one point because they started doing the Gandalf Saruman thing and I was like no please no oh please like how God, they were no. like moving him around yeah, with the staff. yeah yeah she had his staff out and he was like getting spun through the air I was like dear God no please please no yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, dude she's a badass I really hope they're not they didn't they're not implying that she's like dead but that she they've just been like kind of forced back or whatever like they'll come right back. the fact Be- that they even have names makes me feel like they're more than just season one characters yeah but what's like, weird to me is like and and find them there you know right so to me it would be like okay they're probably i don't think that they're like the nazgul or anything because because they but they have that wraith kind right. of they have like wraith qualities it looks yeah. like right yeah which i have a i have a harebrained theory on um as far as like what ends up happening with like the story of the stranger mm-hmm. but yeah it makes me feel like they because cause I really like them when they're not just talking in plain speak. I, I would be fine yeah. with them coming back. Um, and Slim Shady's shape-shifting abilities freak me the fuck out, dude. Yeah, Every really time cool. she bends in on herself and then whoosh, you're like, oh, God. Um, It's a cool magic fight. I I can't believe I did not see Sadik getting got coming. But it wasn't dude, even a thought yeah. in my head that he was going to die. And I Me, was like, same. I was so sad when it happened. Same. I, I, I thought, oh my God, he's dead for a split second, right? Yeah. And then when he stabbed her in the foot, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, he's fine. He's fine. Mm. And then I, I, I wasn't, I, yeah, I, I was taken aback by the fact that he, he's like, 
I just want to watch the sun rise type yeah. thing. Oh and, my god. He, he said, I'm he, going off trail. He says, it's I'm so about to sad. go a wandering off trail. And I was <laughs> like, oh no! Yeah. I didn't uh, think I would be so sad as Sadok dying, dude. But yeah, and then, and then just jumping ahead a little bit, I really like the scene at the very end of that storyline where we'll, we'll jump back to, because there's still stuff to talk about here, but I like the scene where they're like, oh, I miss Sadok. And the one uh, Harfoot is like, he's still here. And I thought that was he's very... He's still with us. Yeah. Um, but dude, when, when Gandalf stood up, dude. Oh yeah, when he has the I staff, finally. And good. Or, or First he says, and I wrote this line down because it's bad fucking ass. From yeah. shadow you came to shadow I bid you return. Like, oh, dude. I, he hits him with the I am Groot. Dude, he hits him I mean, with sorry. the I am Groot. I am good. 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 Oh. <laughs> dude, I, like... I that was, was great. Banger line. Worried. I was kind of worried, like, okay, he's starting to talk a lot. Like, is this going to feel weird? But nah, dude, he does a great job. I'm glad that he's talking. I think... I think the kind of silent traveler trope has lasted about just as long as I needed it to. Yeah. And I it didn't overstay. Didn't overstay. It's welcome. And I, uh, I'm glad that we get some badass lines from now. Some very, uh, some, some very, very wise lines. Uh, well, and say. I also like the reason as to how he gets He'd, to, yeah. it. it's not just, Oh, off screen. They were together for a long time and he learned to talk or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's oh, they literally like opened his mind up a bit and yeah, re- helped him to develop faster. So he was able to talk more once he wasn't like under their control or anything. And he turns them into moths, right? Like or That's like he disperses like. them yeah. into moths. So like my harebrained theory is that we now have cameos from them in the two towers. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> uh, it would be okay. So I mean. Honestly, that might even like fit with like what one what my theory is. I don't know. Yeah. What, is there anything else you want to talk about with um, this? Um, I was just gonna talk about the ending of the of the scene. Just how sad it made me when yeah. Poppy was like saying goodbye. Dude, her dad killed me in yeah. that goodbye. I was just and then like and, and Poppy's goodbye was so realistic. Mm-hmm. Like the okay, bye, and then coming back at the very end. And I'm oh, dude, I just I did not expect to be so sad to lose these characters. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think we see them for, like, seasons now. Like, I'm sure they'll come back before the end of the show. Oh, but... oh, like, the people who stayed, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I like, I don't I think... I could see there being, like, a throwaway scene where they're, they're in some place and they're seeing more of the land in which they typically travel to has been affected in some way. Yeah, I could see that. Or I could see them running into the other storylines and we see them through the other storylines' points of view, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't think we're going to see a ton of their their storyline them uh, going forward. So I, I'm kind of like, OK, we'll see you guys at like the end of the show, probably like they'll come back from Rune and like they'll be like, oh, our friend settled way far to the to the west. Uh, yeah, to the west. I wonder. Let's go. Let's go check out where they are. And they get to the Shire or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. Um, But I was just. She also looks a lot like uh, Frodo um, in this scene. Poppy, I don't know. I just the way yeah, they shoot that, her. Yeah, that's on purpose. You on know, purpose. Like, it looks. Re- it works really well. She's supposed well. to look like a Baggins. And when um, she's like, "You'll be bold." Oh, I liked that line too. Yeah, um, I, I I thought if anyone was gonna die in that scene, it would it was gonna be her. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be Marigold. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, and then just like they're off to Rune. Um, I think he's really channeling Ian McKellen at the end without just like trying to copy him, yeah. which I think it does it does very well. Um, and of course we get the fucking ugh, when in doubt, Eleanor Brandyfoot, always follow your nose. Yep, which. Yep. It's a good line to use because I had to go, is that a line from the movies, Jason? Because you were freaking out because I'd forgotten about that line. I was um, laughing, dude. Yeah, I, I said, I said, always follow your nose before you even yeah, gave the yeah. line. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just knew. I just knew. I was like laughing. Cause, cause it was a good scene. I like how they did it. it yeah. If it was done poorly, I would have been like, oh my God, always yeah. follow your nose. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's but done no, very it was, well. It was great. Um, What's your I really like the reveal. And I like that it's a line that's not like, like similar to, I think it was Phil Games said, like, it, it's not a line that's so on the nose that you're like, ugh. Like, oh my he didn't God, say, you shall not pass. Just, yeah, cultist, just beat you know? me over the like, head with the fact that he's Gandalf. Yeah. It was, the fact that it was I nice. missed it was good. You know, like, that means For it's sure. a good choice, you know? For sure. Um, all right, you said you have a theory about Rune and, and the okay, future dude. of the, the stranger. Can you just give a little bit? I know there's very little written about Rune in the yeah. um in the in the text, but just for the podcast listeners, some like background. So, yeah, so Rune so is. Rune is like to so like where Mordor is on the map, it's to the north and the east. And there's the Sea of Rune up there. Um and Rune is where the Easterlings come from. You know how like in the movie where like Frodo and Sam they're they're about to go into the Black Gate and there's those dudes marching mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they end up being the ones who have the big elephants, the elephants, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Though that's where those people are from, is Rune. Okay. The Easterlings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's east of anywhere in any of the movies, right? Like, if you went from where the Black Gate was and you, like, followed the mountains, went to the east, and then went north a little bit, that's where it is. So, so one of the people that we thought might, the stranger might be, is a blue wizard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking about how, you know, the blue wizards, there's two different versions a- a- that Tolkien gave as to what they end up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is told they go into the east. But what they do in the east, one theory is that, you know, they end up, kind of trying to fight against Sauron because in in Rune they're just pretty much known in the Easterlings since the days of Morgoth the people that lived there like were literally just like servants of evil right mm-hmm. like whether or not like not like all the people but you know the people in charge and they just have to do what they have to do right uh, it's typically how it's it's portrayed um and so one is that they they tried to stop them and they're they're like thwarting what they can Make it so that, you know, Sauron doesn't become all-powerful in the East, right? Then the other idea is that either he corrupted them or they kind of, like, were just corrupt on their own, kind of in more of a Saruman way, where they they wanted power themselves. Um, Mm. So what I could see is that, you know, because the blue... All of the Astari, so the Blue Wizards, Radagast, um, Saruman, Gandalf, they're all supposed to arrive in the third age, but in one of the versions, Blue Wizards got there a bit earlier. Like they didn't, he they didn't go with them at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it, I believe it's still supposed to be in the third age. Well, I could see because you know they're saying, okay, Gandalf came here earlier. Uh, that the Blue Wizards are already in Rune and they're already evil. I, I could see him Ooh. like him fighting off in the people in Rune because to me, it's like 
you know, Rune, they they worship Morgoth, and then, like, by extension, Sauron. Uh, you know, I could see it being where, in order to have these super strong mystics having some type of bad Astari there that mm. really makes it so that they can do all these crazy things. Because they do, they do crazy things. She's, like, shooting fire out of her hands and blowing up all their carts and shape-shifting. Like, like maybe yeah. that's where they got maybe the like that staff is magical and they got the magic staff from an Astari, like one of the blue wizards. Right, that's what I'm thinking. Is like, you know, ma- like maybe the the blue wizards are there and Gan- Gandalf ends up fighting the blue wizards and that's why you know in uh, the Hobbit movies, you know, Bilbo asks like, are there any other wizards or like are they are they powerful or are they more like yeah. you? And he's like, hey, what? <laughs> but. Yeah, he says there's the two blue wizards, and he's like, "Oh, what are their names?" And he's like, "I can't quite remember." And I'm thinking maybe it's because he knows that they are the blue wizards and that they were there, but he can't remember their names because they were like evil when he yeah. when he saw them, and he doesn't yeah. remember what their names were when he was in Valinor. Yeah, I would dig the hell out of that. I think that's a good way to give an antagonist to the um stranger storyline while continuing yeah yeah because they 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 did say like that hey this harfoot storyline is going to be kind of sideways you know from the rest of the storyline in a way it's not going to be super connected to what's happening in the main storyline so i could see that being okay we need another antagonist for that storyline because he's not going to be doing the sauron stuff it keeps gandalf out of the events the main events of the second age, right? It gives him his own story to go and do. Yeah. Um, I really like that. I really hope that you're right. Yeah, it'd be cool. Speaking of Sauron. Now it's time. Dude, Sauron is so hot. Uh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. Dude, oh, no. when he's, when he's, he's walking, when he's walking into Mordor at the end of the episode. Yeah, I love that I'm shot. Like, I'm like, oh, dude, you look so good. So we get to reveal this episode, obviously. As I have been saying, dude, and can I say, I feel like Charlie Vickers has a smirk on his face this entire episode, even when he's like laying there bleeding out type thing. I feel like he has a smirk on his face. I wrote down as a note that Hallbrand changes as soon as he meets Celebrimbor. You can see you can see in Sauron when he goes when he when he meets Celebrimbor, you can see in his face him go, "I've won." Like he he's like, "I can do this now." Because you know his big yeah. like we talk about his big conflict over the season has been like, "Am I gonna get a chance to do what I want to do?" Like, and he explains in this episode that his thing, and I really like his explanation. He's like, "I'm not evil. I want to heal Middle Earth, and my version of healing Middle Earth is." complete and total order by me controlling and ruling over everybody which we know is fucked up but it gives him like some depth to have him have this kind of really fucked it's like up his morality, recompense you know yeah. um and i think you can see when he meets Celebrimbor, his kind of like he's like okay i've done it you know like i can the rest of the episode onward he has this passion that has been missing from the character this entire time. And he's like excited for the first time. And I think it's because he's like, I'm here. I'm at the moment. 
you know, I finally made it here. I know what I have to do. And I'm going to have this girl come and stand by my side and do this. Like, not in a romantic way, you freaks. But in a, uh, she's very powerful and together we could rule the world, you know, yeah. uh, type way. And I, I just, I really like the way that Hallbrand is played in this episode. Um, I love, well, yeah, go ahead. Well, what's funny, and I just thought of this, it, it's very, very tangential, but like in the video games, the Shadow of War video games, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of do like a similar thing where they they were like, what if Shelob is like Sauron and can like shapeshift or whatever? Like uh-huh. she's a, she's an elf or like a, like a, yeah. a Maiar type character. And like, so like she has a fair form, but then she can also transform into a spider. Right. And the idea is that both Sauron and her are just like in their fair form and like they're working together, but then she ends up betraying him or something. Right. Mm. So it, it very much reminded me of like, cause you get these certain flashback scenes where it's like Shelob and she's a mommy for sure. Uh, <laughs> and Sauron are plotting. Okay. But yeah, anyways, what were you saying? <laughs> oh, no, I, I just I have a ton of notes, so I'm going to go. Oh, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to kind of go through my notes chronologically a little bit. Um, yeah, that's how I have mine. So like starting with Galadriel and Holbrand, you know, returning. And I, I just I really love this conversation that Galadriel has with Elrond because I think this is the first time. I mean, really, they haven't seen each other much. They've only been in the first episode together. But you see in this episode them being like. Uh, you can see the age that she has on him, you know, like she kind of takes a a mentorish role in, in their conversation and urges him to keep going when he's given up hope. And he kind of is looking up to her and seeking her. Yeah, encouragement, he's like, what do we do? You know, seeking her to, to, to answer this question. Um. Yeah. Which I, I think like before they played very much as equals in the first episode and they like that now that they're in this very dark place, uh, you can see kind of the youth in Elrond come out a little bit. And um, I, w- I believe their relationship much more in this episode than I did in the first episode. Yeah. It very much felt like she's very cold. Like, yeah, they're friends, but at this point she's just so dead set on killing Sauron and finding Sauron that she kind of just pushes him to the side right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it makes more sense as to why because he he ends up apologizing like i made a mistake that i won't make again blah 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 also i do want to say i'm so glad we're seeing more than just the one fucking room in aragian yeah dude we, we see a lot it of looks Aragian. so nice it's so uh, cool the i can't forge, wait forge it has very you know forge qualities <laughs> yeah, but yeah. while also having very elven qualities as well with the leaves and the very natural flowing shapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so cool. Uh, especially where like they mount where they end up making the rings and like it like ends up pooling and circling down and stuff. Looks very leaf-like and very yeah. natural. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, it, it's crazy how menacing. Like, like as someone who knows what's happening, right? Like at this point, I'm like a thousand percent thinking that Halbrand is Sauron, and when Kelbrandbor's like, "Reveal yourself, dude, oh. dude," it, 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 it it's insane how menacing they make Halbrand going from last episode where he's like the king of the Southlanders and he did all these yeah. great things to, yo, major Sauron flags, <laughs> like, oh my god, 
Um, and I, I think it's believable as well how... Because I know there's going to be people who are hating saying, I don't like how Kel Brimbor is just like an idiot. He can't figure out anything on his own. To me, it makes sense that Kel Brimbor would not think to amplify this metal with what he would deem worse metals, right? I could Even definitely see... Even though it's pure see... silver and gold, right? He's thinking could, of them yeah. as lesser. I so could it definitely see sense. it as like a elven thing, right? Like right know. he's he's always well and not even just an elven thing but an elven lord right like yeah he's yeah. always been able to get vast quantities of whatever he wants he's literally the lord of aragian right like mm, mm, mm. uh it, it's well in aragian in this they make it seem like aragian is one city it's not it's like a it's like a kingdom yeah uh and I'm that's sure just we'll like see the more main city right yeah I, I don't think we will you I, don't they, think so def- yeah i think they more made it seem like it was like because he said disband the city Mm, you're right i don't know i i i think it's uh, I, i'm fine with it but yeah it, it's uh he, he he's he, he's got wealth is what i'm trying to yeah, say yeah, and yeah. also in that scene dude when halbrand passes him back the piece of mithril oh. and oh. he's like he's like oh that's like very interesting right like you could enhance yeah, it yeah. right and he says call it a gift oh. and i love it because it's a nod to like yeah. what his name normally would be when they'd have these conversations is Anatar, the Lord of Gifts. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like I, I might have had like ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine 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 percent chance he's Sauron when he said it, call it a gift. Okay, now it's now it's a hundred percent. Like there, there was no going back at that point. And I think the me. show isn't trying to hide it after that point. For sure. Um, I I like that. I. I theorize that that's the closest they can get to Anatar. I think legally. I think saying call it a gift, I really don't think they can use the name Anatar. Maybe they'll be able to in the future. Maybe they'll get some more rights for season two. Um, because uh, uh, the actor definitely implied in in um, uh, Charlie Vickers said in an interview that there are stories from the Silmarillion that we're going to get to see about Sauron in season two, which implies that they have more rights now, um, which I would not be surprised at all if, with the rights being under new management, uh, <laughs> Embracer Group was like, yeah, fuck it, make the show, <laughs> you, you know? Right, yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Um, like, so, why would they hamstring this thing? Yeah. Yeah, so, but I, I do, I do, uh, I do like the call it a gift. And I thought it was fun when we were watching it, because you and I, when he goes call it, you and I go, oh, oh, oh. And then he goes, a gift. And we went, oh, God. <laughs> yeah yeah i also like that they don't go straight to saying yo let's make some rings no it's something else that's circular right like you know and and giving a a reason as to why it should be circular right that it reflects off itself and it enhances every time right but remember it's circular it's not ring shaped it's circular circular. right i I liked that i do um I want to stay on this scene with Hellbrand and Celebrimbor for a moment because okay, yeah. I think they show just perfectly that Sauron in like in this we see Sauron as a master of like manipulation. Dis- manipulation. You know, he immediately plays into Celebrimbor's desire for fame and notoriety, which we were no- which was brought up when he was talking about how he just wanted to create something that like rivaled Feanor. Yeah. Um or or lived up to Feanor. He brings that up way earlier in the season and he's like is this the workshop of the most famous Celebrimbor? You know, like immediately he's like, the master I apprenticed to used to speak to the wonders of your craft, which you said um, could be a reference. You said that isn't one of the um, um, 
what's the fucking what's the people above the Maiar? There's the Valar. The Valar isn't one of the Valar like Hallbrands or uh, Sauron's like mentor of how to yeah like, yeah so smithing. like yeah so Maiar are typically like subservient to a specific Valar yeah, yeah. and he is to Aule who's the craftsman who makes yeah. who makes the dwarves yeah and that's okay. why you see like you know. He's such a good smith, he makes that, like, crazy sword with, like, this shoddy little shop in Numenor or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, he is a very, very good craftsman, and I... It, it makes sense that he would, you know, this is this is the best workshop he's probably seen... Yeah. ...since he trained with the uh, Aule, you know? Like, I, I, I believe that he really is when he's looking around in wonder he actually is you know he's yeah he's, yeah he's feeling a bit at home in, in in a way right yeah um or his old home right <laughs> yeah i just i really love like he has an in-character reason for everything like when you think about the fact yeah. that everything that he's saying is bullshit he's like back where i'm from i'm used to putting together these metals because not a lot of stuff grows in the south or like, like they're not metals. lies but they are right yeah there's not a lot of metals in the southland so we have to combine them you know and i'm like but that's what fuck. would be true if you he know? was yeah. like literally working for morgoth and like he has orcs yeah. bringing him materials like, yeah that would be true still and even when he gets like let's say like he got like immediately killed by adar right uh-huh and then he was working in the Southlands or something yeah. as a smith or something like that. Yeah, he, he would learn that skill there as well. It's very good. I love like the next scene with Gil, where they go to Gilgalad and they're like, we're going to make a crown, dude. It's going to be awesome. We're going to put actually, it on your head. I really love Gilgalad in this episode. I'm um, not in love with him. I, I, I want to I hear why you like him. I really love him because they're like, dude, we're going to make this really powerful crown. It's going to save us all. We're going to put it on your head. And he's like, you're going to what? He's like, he's like, you want to make one object of ultimate power and give it to a single person? Are you fucking insane? Like, I love the. Uh, I guess comparison. I didn't read it as in him saying that. Oh, just one person. Right? That's I, I'm pretty sure. I that's didn't feel like he had. The, I I don't think he. Had, well, he did say that, right? But then yeah. when he when they say no, not just one person, you. It doesn't feel like he objects to it because it's still just the one person. It feels like he's just like, ah, I don't know if this will work. I read it more as he is absolutely still like, I think, cause I think they're trying to intentionally draw a comparison between him and Sauron. Yeah. Like Sauron's yeah. ambition to have the one object that makes him ultimate ruler and how we, I established... wish it would have been a, done a bit more than because I did not pull I, from that. From I, yeah. That. I wish Gilgalad had been in more of the season. I'm sure we'll see more of him. Cause I really like he's a badass and he's a badass. And I think that they are setting the seeds to make him a really important character. I think that it's very intentional that they're like, Hey, this dude is given a similar opportunity to what Sauron desires and turns it down. You know, I think that's intentional for sure. And I also, he's rightful to be suspect of what is happening. Right. I just wish we could have seen the tree telling you this. He's like, did the, did the fucking Southlander say this? Like, immediately, I feel like Gilgalad is sus of Hallbrand, yeah. and I love it. I just, I, I really liked Gilgalad, and I, there are things that Gilgalad does that annoy me, but I think those things are symptoms of a bigger, like, the, of the fading thing. Like, he does those things because the fading plot exists, right, and I don't right. like the fading plot, but everything that he does unrelated to that, I really enjoy. Well, and if you think about it logically, it makes sense. And that's mm-hmm. that's something that I wrote down is that, like, 
I'm not in love with him in this episode, but like he's definitely rightful to suspect Halbrand. Yeah. Like just regardless of if he's Sauron or not, right? Yeah. Um, but not seeing how the tree has progressed, I just have to like believe what he's saying, mm-hmm. and I'm not feeling what he's saying, right? Like, yeah. the actor does a good job, and I like how he actually pronounces shit correctly. By the way, he's, he's a goat. <laughs> yeah. But, like, uh, I I think that it's just I'm not f- ever feeling what he's saying because a lot of times he's been like very secretive, right? Yeah, and a little bit manipulative in his own way. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I like that Elrond, like, there, there's a scene late, like, literally directly after where, you know, he's like, shut it down. I don't want to see it. Like, just shut it down. And then he yeah. leaves, right? Yeah. And then Elrond is like, please, like, like, give me three months. I'm at, lo- I'm owed at least that. Mm-hmm. I don't like how he delivers the line. Yeah. He's like, you are owed nothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it seems a bit random. Yeah. Uh, but I like how Elrond then uses his own words against him, just throws it that, back in his face, that, and it's another callback, another ring right? story. You know? Yeah, uh, when Gilgalad is saying, you know, you know, and, and no hope is meager, right? Yeah, and it's it's kind of a checkmate, right? Because yeah. if he if he doesn't go with it, then he basically is conceding. That he only said that in order to manipulate Elrond into giving up the secret. Yeah. In which case, it's like, okay, this is like a doomed effort anyway, because, like, this guy was manipulating me from the start, right? Yeah. Like, he didn't actually believe in this hope. Then why should I? Like, from the start, he didn't believe in the hope. It was just manipulation. And then it 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 would make more sense... And so I I like that scene in that way. I just don't like how he delivers the line. I get that he would be like in grief and in incredible stress that his entire race is dying and all this stuff. But it just felt very like, I'm going to attack the one man who's been trying to save this the whole time. Like, <laughs> you are owed nothing. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, dude. Chill, Willy Wonka. Like, my God. <laughs> Willy Wonka. Uh, I really love. I really love the scene. The that scene. Uh, not only for that reason. I. I'm sure you've seen this. It's all over the internet. The image of Calibrimbor with the chain leading from him while they're pitching this to Gilgalad. The symbolism in that room with the four of them there talking. That there's the shadow of a chain leading away from Calibrimbor. Um. Oh I no! Posted I posted it in it. our second breakfast chat. Uh, Let me see it. I have not seen it. It looks really good. Um, like mm. it's it's way too intentional. You know, like there's no way that was a coincidence. You know, yeah. like that. It's it's very very well done. Um, and I love how you see in that episode in that scene that Celebrimbor is already super taken in by this power. He's like, we are on the verge of greatness. You know, like. A power yeah. untold or whatever. Like, the power of the unseeing world. And Galadriel's like, what did you just say? <laughs> you yeah. know? I love yeah. Galadriel in this episode well, as okay. well. Okay, that, that scene, I like that line. And I like how that's, yeah. how she's immediately suspect of that where he's saying, not of the flesh, but over flesh. Yeah. Of the power yeah. of the unseen world. I like that a lot. Yeah. But, like, it is really on the nose and also an unknowable thing, I feel like. Uh-huh. Uh... Unless Halbrin knew what was happening, and then like uh, that, that we could go into more when we're talking about like what Halbrin does throughout the entirety mm-hmm. of the show, and like what those things could be with the lens of Sauron. But like mm-hmm. 
to say, oh, it was just the key that unlocked the dam. And then Galadriel's like, hey, yo, what? Because it's like, <laughs> we know as the viewers that's what happened, but no, there's no way Galadriel would know. She never even seen the key or the sword, the keyblade. Like, she didn't yeah, even know what the artifact was. There was no time for them to really discuss. Like, I guess Theo could say, oh, they wanted the sword and they were going to use it or something, right? But to know that it, like, then unlocked a dam, I don't think anyone would have, like, put two and two together. And then also on top of that, all the water goes underground, so you wouldn't have even (laughs) known. Like, there's just so many, like, that was, like, weird. And I, but I get why it's more of just, like, oh, the audience knows or whatever. Mm. And then double down with the, not of the flesh, but over flesh. Yeah. That part was a little weird, but, yeah. (laughs) I liked that scene a lot. And it shows that, you know, Celebrimbor is just very ambitious, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like Celebrimbor way more in this episode than I did before. Because even before Halbrand shows up and could be, like, you know, corrupting him and, and everything, manipulating him, he's still, like, grasping for, like, anything that he can do mm-hmm. in order to save. Like, he, he's like, not only am... And, and, if you put yourself in his shoes, he wants to be of equal or greater than Feanor, who's his grandfather. And then he can't even protect the elves, right? Like you're a double failure, not even reaching, you're not reaching the heights that you want, which is a failure personally, but then you're also failing like your entire people by not being able to figure this out. So I get why he would want to like, put his whole heart and soul into this and not really think about the consequences makes it feel more like, Oh, he, cause in the writing it much more, because this whole idea to preserve the elves is not Canon. So in the writing, it very much seems like he just got duped. You know, he was just blinded by his ambition. There was no reason for him other than that. Oh, you know, like the, the reasoning that there is, is that, the elves that are in Aragian, they're wanting to make Middle-earth be as beautiful as Valinor. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, we can create... It's a very prideful thing. They're like, we can create it. We can make our own heaven on Earth, right? And that ends up being the reason that they really don't question Anatar when he shows up and he's like, yo... I can show you guys how to make these really, really cool rings. Like they're very powerful. They're, yeah. There's all these things you can do with them and like teaching them to perfect it and everything. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I like it a bit more. It adds more depth to why. Cause I think if you did Calibrimbor exactly like how he is in the books, he would seem very shallow and stupid, especially <laughs> because he's a Lord. Like you would think he would look yeah. into it a bit more. Um, very much like how people hate how a door is in the movies, the Peter Jackson movies where, Everyone knows that it's evil. It's, like, very clearly evil. <laughs> and he's just like, no. It's right? mine. Yeah. It, it, no. it, would, it would feel a lot like that, I think. And obviously, like, even that Isildur stuff is not what actually happens in the book. Like, they don't know that the ring... Like, they know that, like, the ring can command the other rings, but they don't know that it would keep Sauron alive, right? Like... Mm-hmm. They would have no reason to to think that, um, but anyway, yeah, we we talked about that before. But I really like that. In I I hated the whole, oh the elves are dying, but it gives Celebrimbor even more of a reason to really want to make 
these at least the elven rings right um but it does open a bit of a can of worms as far as okay well how are the other rings gonna get made um i have three theories as to what could happen um i don't know if you wanted to talk about any of those like let's the scenes that talk we're talking about, about a bit more let's talk let's get through the rest of this episode let's save okay. a lot of theorizing about what's going to happen in the future for next week okay because this is kind of my plan right now in my head is i i think let's 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 get through the rest of this episode next week we'll talk about theorizing what might happen in the future and True. then later on because you and i have talked about maybe doing a thing where we watch all eight episodes uh, as like a Twitch watch party on live on stream. Live. And yeah. maybe after we do that, we can have um, this discussion that we were talking about, about like Sauron's movements throughout the whole season. Cause I think I'd want to watch the whole show again before I try and really parse what Sauron is doing during it. Um, right. Right. So I definitely think that's a discussion that I might want to wait to have until after we've uh, rewatched the whole thing. Um, the Sauron special. The Sauron special after we do our nine-hour watch party of uh, The Rings of Power. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like the scene between Sauron and Galadriel where he's like, you have done so much. Like, you saved me. Uh, I'll never forget what you've done, and I'll see to it that no one else does either. It's so menacing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also think it's interesting. He kind of talks about how, like, when they're when they're coming up with the plan to like get the the metals to to mix he's like the metals shouldn't be forced to join forced to join but rather drawn or coaxed together which i think is some very very kind of very sauron shit i don't it's know kind of meta yeah a like, little meta you know <laughs> he's not he's not forcing them to serve him he's coaxing yeah. them into it you know and then I think like the half of the rest of my quote or my my notes are about this next one scene which yeah. is the Sauron reveal. Um, right, literally right before that, you know, like yeah. she, she asked the one elf dude, hey, give me anything you have on yeah. the, the, the Southlands or whatever, right? And then he comes back into the workshop and he's like, my lady, here's the thing you asked for. I'm shaking <laughs> it, shaky, shaky right here. Like, it's pretty ridiculous. I get why, but I yeah. remember just being like, Dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, I get Halbrand's supposed to see, but you can do this another way, my guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that he goes, we need two objects. Uh, I, 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 I do. I am curious about whether, like... He would want to give them to... Give one to her. Kill Galad and then one to mm, Celebrimbor, probably. Yeah. Or her. I, I was almost wondering if he was trying to make these items of power... To give one to her and keep one for himself. No, because I think he would. I he think he would want them for the rest of it. Yeah, but I I don't know if he had other plans before he was forced to leave. I I would assume that you know he would build those. He would end up building the master ring. Like I, I think at this point he would already know what he wants to do. Okay. Like, he would have an inkling, like, okay, yeah. there's these rings of power. I can use them to control their minds, right? Mm -hmm. To dominate them. Because mm -hmm. he literally is... I really like how... I mean, we, we can get it to the scene. Because I don't really have yeah. anything else to say besides, you know... Oh, my God, dude. The scene where he <sighs> is... Like, I told you I found it on a dead man. Dude! Oh, my uh, God. He has my favorite line in the whole show. And really... This line, I think, is going up there. Like, we talk about 
when we have guests on the show, what's your favorite to- like line in the movies? This line is going up there for me. I have been awake since before the breaking of the first silence. In that time, I have had many names. Oh, yeah. dude. What a cold fucking line, dude. It's dope. It's, it's so dope. good. Um, I have an interesting note on like, so the, the whole mind vision thing starts the dom the mind domination that he's doing. Um, and we see Finrod again. And I have a note about this because unlike movies, like you, you, we talked about this uh, just like uh, one-on-one at one point, or we might've been in like the discord with people, um, how the last scene of Gandalf in return of the King was one of the first scenes that Ian McKellen shot. Mm. Like, that's interesting. This scene with Finrod, uh, unlike movies, television shows don't do that. They sh- they do shoot in order most of the time. They shoot episode blocks. Um, so Finrod's actor had to come back to New Zealand uh, to shoot the scenes in this finale. Um, huh. he, he came to shoot the scenes in episode one, and then he left New Zealand, and then he came back like a year later to shoot his scenes in this, in this episode. Uh-huh. Um, because that's how shooting television works. That's funny. But I love the way I love sorry, I love the way Galadriel is enthralled by him. Yeah. Like the way she's looking up at Finrod. Like the actress. If she is just, just knew immediately it wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Well she so, knows. She's like, get out of my head. And yeah. He's like, Look at me. And then that's when he really has her. Yeah. And you could tell she fights. I, I like how it's not so black or white where mm-hmm. she's just completely enthralled and then you know, oh, at the very last second she breaks out, or yeah. Yeah. oh, she knows the whole time and she's fighting the whole time and she breaks out. I think it's like it's very a bit of both, and I like it mm. way more. And in my in my notes, I put, how did they make Finrod fucking Finrod menacing? Dude, he's it's creepy. so well done. And like, if if you like read anything as far as like what what Finrod does in, in the Silmarillion, you're like. How are you making Finrod scary? Like he's a badass, but he is like the most goaded elf. You know, like <laughs> he, he's he, he's the most elf elf. And you're making him scary. This is crazy. I love that scene. I love their conversation. I love how he's using Finrod to try and buy over Galadriel. It's a very smart idea. Mm-hmm. I love that he's like, you needn't lie to them. Simply let the work proceed, which is what. Sauron has been doing this entire time. He's just kind of just been like letting them continue to do their own thing and following along and getting closer and closer to what he wants by that, uh, by that, 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 uh, that, uh, method. And then I like when he goes, you know, well, and then she does listen. Yeah. Well, it changes it in a little way, but she, yeah. she does listen actually. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about it, it's pretty scary. I like how they make him feel very strong and badass in this, you know? Like yeah. He, he, he's always felt strong, like, in, like, the movies, per, like, for example. But, like, he's he's just very strong, badass, imposing, without being a massive... Yeah, like, armored dude, armored you know? dude. Yeah, exactly. I love that Finrod... Is like, remember the thing I told you last time? And he says, touch the darkness once more, which is great because it's similar to what was actually said, which Finrod says, sometimes we cannot know until we have touched the darkness in response to when she's like, how do we, how do I know which lights to follow? Um, so it's similar to what he said, but it's like this corrupted and twisted version of it, right? which is really good to be coming from Sauron. Um, 
I really, really, really enjoyed that line. I just, oh God, when they're on the boat, dude, and like all the water stills and you can see it stilling as like it's going out into the horizon. You can yeah. see like this ripple as the waterfall still. I think maybe one of the best shots in the whole show. When in the TV. camera, Yeah, in TV, like in general, yeah. Period. When the camera turns around to look down into the water and you see the reflections yeah dude it's sauron in his armor and it's like the kind of dark queen version of galadriel that we kind of see in the movies a little bit it's in, yeah. in uh when she's giving her whole speech to frodo which then to halbrand pretty much gives her this speech in this one where he's like yeah yeah she says that you know it's a throwback to the speech yeah, she's like, you would make me a tyrant or whatever. And he's like, no, a queen, fair as the sea and the sun, stronger than the foundations of the earth. Like, oh, and that's all shit that she says to Frodo later on. And I think that adds a lot of depth to her scene with Frodo later on. That yeah, this is yeah, kind of it like. Adds. It's not reductive. No, it's like now it feels even more like she's faced a test of her own in that scene and passed it. You right. know, when she's being offered the ring. Um which is kind of the idea of that scene already, but it makes it a little more clear. Um, yeah, and I, I like that they still, it's not like, oh, I've been found out. Let me try to trick her or whatever, right? But also, it's still, they make it, they do so good at making it feel very real where he's mm -hmm. like, you know, like, you told me after the battle, like, uh, to just be free of whatever it is I had done before. And she's like, there's, no, yeah. there's nothing you can do for the atrocities you've done. Something along those lines, yeah. right? Yeah. He's like, no, that's not how you feel. Yeah, that's all he you goes, told you me. You told me I had done evil and you did not. Like, I told you that I had done evil and you did not care. I was like, oh, yeah. snap. Dude. It's so good. And I love how she's like, he's like, together we can save Middle Earth. And she's like, save or rule. And he just goes, I see no difference. And I'm like, oh. That was good, too. Like, well, and then when she's like, no, immediately after. Yeah. The scene where it's just very much just their faces back and the forth. Cu the, the cutting between the close-ups. Oh, my God. Yes. And he goes, well, they they wanted to throw you out just asking for yeah. a few petty, petty army. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And then wh what what do you think they'll do when, when you tell them that Sauron lives because of you? And then they put the stuff oh. on his voice and everything. Oh, God. Yeah. So, so good. And I then just... he just casts her into the sea, basically. Yeah. But what's even more morbid about it is so like she's just laying in the river that whole time <laughs> drowning. Yeah. And it's like such an avoidable death when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. Like not for her, like she can't do anything. She's like he he's fully in her head, but like he it's it, it would be such a tragic death to just drown in a river that you can stand up in, you know? Yeah, just a, a, a like a more like a stream, not even a river. Yeah. It's like a little stream. Like, oh, yeah. my God, that 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 makes it even more menacing to me. Dude, when Elrond finds her. I dude, if I was Elrond, I'd be like, hang on. Yeah, what the yeah. fuck is going on? Why were you drowning in the river? Like, yeah. you know, um, I get that she can't tell them because, like, like I mean, you know, Sauron scared her. You know, he's like, look. I, I, like, I can kind of get it, yeah. But it does still feel weird, you know, that she's well, not like, he's Sauron, don't do it! <laughs> you know, like, I, I well, guess they wouldn't believe it, believe her more than likely, because, like, she's got this kind of reputation for this, and even if they did believe her, it's not gonna be good for her. 
So I kind of get it, but yeah. at the same time, watching this whole thing happen is like. Uh... No, yeah, I I agree. I can kind of get why she doesn't tell them at least immediately that he's Sauron, right? Yeah. But in the line that she says, because he's like questioning her, and she talks about you know you told me about making the same mistake again. And, yeah, yeah. You know, but the, then she's just literally not telling the truth to him, like in that lot in that line, right? Yeah. Like, since when is telling the truth going to be an evil thing, my guy? Like, come on yeah. now. And then she also ends up just listening to him, like, okay, you don't have to lie to them, but just let them proceed, you know? Mm -hmm. But then she goes, you know, and I can understand, you know, she wants to have the rings be made because it can help her people, right? Mm -hmm. from, from not dying. And so it makes sense. Then she goes, okay, well, you know, let's make a third one so that there's oh, balance. Oh, dude, I love that line. One corrupts, two divides, three brings balance. Um, I also really love the idea of, uh, <laughs> when she's like, Hallbrand's gone. If he ever shows up again, nobody fucking talk to him. Uh, I love it. Pans to, it like cuts to Celebrimbor and I'm like, he's not going to listen to that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like I knew immediately that he was kind of like, Hmm, I don't know. I might talk to Celebrimbor. I might talk to Hallbrand again. You know, I don't know that yeah. I'm going to listen to you. Um, Dude, I was so sad when the dagger got melted down. Dude, that music that plays want when like there's a there's an elven saying it only happens during that. Like it doesn't happen during that the rings being made. Yeah. It's just when the dagger is being melted down. And I think it's supposed to be a very, you know, Valinor first age type of I I would assume if I went back and watched the first episode, there would be something similar to it, right? Yeah. It's so beautiful. It is. I'm listening I just to want it that right for now. an hour, please. Like hour, uh, hour long version, please. <laughs> I, I'm listening to it right now. It's called True Creation Requires Sacrifice. It's on the main album. Um, Hell yeah. That's going get, on the playlist. We get into the forging of the Elven Rings and it's incredible. I mean, yeah. The the eye of Sauron being formed in the melting, like it looks or, a lot like it when he like, when he drops the mithril in. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I love Elrond finding the Southlands lineage. We were all scared for a second. We were like, "Oh my god, is he gonna find Galadriel?" <laughs> like, like yeah, dude, the fucking shape shifting oh my thing. God, you know, but so it, right, like it, he shape shifted into Galadriel. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So it kind of does seem like Elrond is probably gonna figure out what happened. Yeah, um, yeah. He he definitely knows that Halbrand's not the heir, right? Because he yeah. reads it, he puts two to, two together. Alron's a clearly yeah. a very very smart and cunning character throughout the whole show, but he doesn't know that he's Sauron, right? No. He knows that he would have to be somebody pretty powerful in order to like really fuck up his friend Galadriel, who's like he in his mind is the goat. Yeah, you know. Um, but if she doesn't at least confide in Alrond, who Halbrand is in season two. I'm gonna be a bit mad. Like I could see, I I could see her not wanting to tell Gilgalad or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but if she doesn't at least tell, well, and with you saying, you know, how Celebrimbor when he's when she says, "Oh, don't treat with him," I guess that that I feel like that adds like either a wrinkle to my third theory, which we'll talk about, or it adds like a whole like like a fourth theory, <laughs> like. 
but because okay, there, I, I won't go into the theories, but right now the problem is that what's supposed to happen is the seven rings for the dwarves and the nine for men. Yeah, which they weren't actually originally supposed to be for men. I think they uh, all of the all. 19 are supposed to be for elves uh-huh. but what ends up happening is basically anatar teaches kelebrimbor how to make the seven and then it, it's like vague around the time but kelebrimbor makes the three uh-huh. by himself not with anatar but he like is physically with anatar when he makes the seven and the nine but then makes the three on his own and then basically what ends up happening is he then Sauron puts on the one, goes to dominate them all. But to me, it's how, how do we get to the point where you make the other 15, you know, yeah. like or 16 or whatever, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know how we're going to get there. Because <laughs> there's, there's a couple, a couple of theories. <laughs> it's a couple of theories, right? But it's like, yeah. does he come back as Sauron? Or like, does he come back as. Anatar, does he come back as Halbren? Does Kelebrimbor just fucking make him? Because he's like, yo, these rings are kind of dope, you know? Like, who knows? Yeah. I will say, when they're making the rings, I'm kind of like, when they're putting the gems in, part of me's like, those are gonna fall out. <laughs> well, yeah. well, that's <laughs> how the gems go well. in, and then they yeah. bend them in. They, they know, bend dude. the pieces in. Kind of looks like, even after they're bent in, when they're just sitting there, I'm like, that don't look too secure, dude. <laughs> I think that's gonna fall out, dude. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know, dude. Kelebrimbor is—he might be a bit dumb, but he is a master jewel crafter. Hey, that one—that might have been the one. The one I was looking at might have been the one that like Elrond did. You know, maybe that was the mm. one that Elrond was like. Mm. Kelebrimbor was like, "Hey, could you spend that for me?" You know, and Elrond did a shitty job. Who knows, dude? Mm, okay, okay. Uh, and then did the transition the, into. I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to say. Yeah, go ahead. The, the, so you know how like you see the other elves working on the jewels and they're like yeah. filing them away. Yeah, they're called the jewel smiths or the eld the elven smiths. And what they're how what they're called in elvish is like insane. It's the Gwaith Emirdine. It's like Ooh. insane. Ooh. I really like the name. <laughs> it means people of the jewel smiths. Yeah, I love the transition to Sauron walking into Mordor and from like you see his eye up close. And he looks yep. incredible. I love Heart to Hot Sauron. Thank you very much, showrunners. Sar, yep. Sar Daddy, if you will. Um, <laughs> and then the credits roll. And that's a wrap on season one of Rings of Power. Yeah. And an incredible song starts to play that I'm listening to right now. It's really good. Um, it got stuck in my head. It reminded I'm me a lot to... of uh, the Two Towers ending. Yeah. You know, when like, Smeagol's like, plotting that he, yeah. he's going to lead him to Shelob. And it plays Smeagol's theme then. And it the just the vibe that you know some terrible shit's about to happen. Yeah. Just very much made me feel a lot like that. And then the song and melody being very like one that just gets stuck in your head. So I will give you guys, you anti-hole brand weirdos, one last moment of copium. He is not credited as Sauron at the end of this episode. He is still only credited as Hallbrand. A crumb. You have a crumb of hope. Half of a crumb of hope. 
it ain't no way, but I did look. I went back the second time. I was like, was he? Because I asked the first time when we just were finishing it, but nobody looked. And so I went the second time and I was like, okay, they still only credit him as Hallbrand, but, um, you know, ain't, ain't no way. Uh, you're in denial, but well, you can have a little the, bit of it. Like, I don't like bringing in interviews into it, yeah. but they literally state in the yeah, interviews yeah. that he's Sauron. Hey, so, dude. like, sorry, guys. Guys, guys, hold Sorry, hold guys. Well, it's okay. It's just a. <laughs> They're just, yeah. they're tricking us. They're tricking us. Also, the fact that the in, in some of the interviews I've seen with the showrunners, they are like, I don't know who the stranger is. We'll yeah. have to see on his journey. Yeah. It's like, yeah. come on, guys. Like, yeah. I get it. But at the same time, bruh, let's be real. But yeah, yep. man, such a great episode. I'm so excited to see Sauron just do badass Dude, stuff in ugh. this. Yeah, so we're going to wrap it up here. Next week, we're going to be back talking about the season overall and just kind of theorizing where do we think season two is going to go? What do we think season two might cover in terms of this epic tale that they have to tell? Uh, and then also next week, we'll probably outline kind of some of the uh, drought content that will come out uh, in the next two years. We have some ideas of stuff to do. One of them uh being talking about the movies or whatever we'll we'll we'll, we'll come up with some stuff uh uh maybe i can convince uh jason to watch wheel of time um because that is considered like the bridge between what tolkien started and what like game of thrones popularized mm. it's kind of it starts very lord of the rings and then transitions into a more um kind of modern fantasy uh, okay so that might be interesting to, to 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 watch if we're really really desperate for something to do uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh we still have next week to go so it's not we're not uh lost yet we have we haven't gone wandering off trail just yet dude you're gonna make me wander on trail off trail for two, two years, years man dude well they said uh, 2024 so maybe it's like uh, january 2024 guys <laughs> It'll only be like a year and two months, definitely. I do hope that now that they've moved their production to the United Kingdoms, mm-hmm. that there won't be as much of a delay between seasons two and three shooting. My my copium hope yeah. is that it took so long because they had to move all the sets. And that if they had yeah. just been like, okay, write the season and get back to it, it wouldn't have been as long to get shooting. So right. ho- well, and then you know, post production or, or pre production, I mean, is, yeah. is so yeah. You have to decide. Okay, what is the elven armor going to look like? Okay, well, why does the elven armor look like this? Okay, well, let's let's do like eight million different renditions of it, and then decide what one we want to do. And then you got to do that with like literally every single piece of equipment, you know, like every single prop, every single anything, in order to give it the depth required for like an epic fantasy like this. Yeah, right? yeah, and. I think it would be really cool. I, I, I hope that they're just like completely in on the Lord of the Rings meta. That is, you know, okay, you film everything, but then you also film people filming everything because yeah, dude. then you get tons of behind the scenes type of stuff. And Here's the thing. It, that'd be it's really not, cool. It's not going to happen because pe- because of the way leak culture is now. You know, that's true. That's like, true. I, I, I it was really, a time before leak culture. That's true. Yeah. Which sucks because I mean, I, I say this anytime documentaries are brought up, like filmmaking documentaries are brought up, but I will continue to say so. My favorite things in the world are the Lord of the Rings behind the scenes 
documentaries and the Star Wars The Last Jedi documentary that mm. is all about Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson. Mm, I don't think I've ever seen that. It's incredible. It's called The Director and the Jedi, and it's about them, like shooting during the shooting of uh, Last Jedi, because infamously, Mark Hamill was not a fan. Hates The Last Jedi. And he's infamously, based. Mark Hamill based. at the beginning did not agree with the choices being made in The Last Jedi. I would, I would also say he doesn't. I would and say then, he doesn't like it still. <laughs> and then multiple times has said that he came around on it repeatedly over and over again. I think he came around, he came around, around on, on a it. massive, massive pay increase. <laughs> That's what I think. I think he, he may have came around on multi-million dollars. <laughs> but, but what I will say is I have so much respect for Mark Hamill, Ryan Johnson, Kathleen Kennedy, everybody involved in that production, because instead of trying to pretend that it didn't happen, there's a whole like two hour documentary about it. Right. right. Uh, whereas with like the latest Star Wars movie, they were like, no, it was perfect to shoot. Everything was fine. And you read any behind the scenes story and it's like, it sounds like this was a mess, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But so I respect that they were like, no, I here's just, a documentary I'm gonna, about that conflict. I'm going to hold out some, some sliver of hope. No, no hope is meager, Sean. That's true. So you're right. Maybe, maybe. They'll have something, you know. God, it'd be I'm so. I'm not great. expecting thirty hours or whatever, like in the Lord of the Rings films, but you know, it you would know what, be cool. What they should do, right? What they should do is do what they did for the Star Wars prequels. It was one of the Star Wars prequels. I think it might have even been all of them, where they had a live webcam on set. <laughs> that would never happen nowadays. <laughs> they had a live webcam on set, and you could just see people like building sets, <laughs> like painting shit. Like, if you logged into the webcam or whatever, it was pretty cool. It would be really, really cool if they had some type of, like, videos that they would put out where they show, oh, yeah, this is, like, some orc armor. Yeah, this is how how we make some orc armor, blah, blah, blah. You know, some of the concept art, like, stuff we've already seen. That would be really cool. I hate leak culture, dude. I don't care. I just want to see cool behind-the-scenes shit. People, People who leak shit are cringe. Yeah. Just let it just let it happen. Let it happen. And also, like, if they release a video where they're like, here's a look at a set, that's not a spoiler, my guy. All right. That's no. all I'm saying. You know, yeah. don't get mad at don't get mad at behind the scenes videos because they was sport. Yeah, just don't watch it, dude. You know, this whole this whole spoiler culture's gotten out of hand, Jason. It's gotten <laughs> out of hand. We need to push back against spoiler culture. <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll talk about next episode, guys. <laughs> It's uh, just... Anyways, yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah. you guys so much for watching. <laughs> Why don't you plug our stuff first? Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for watching. You can find me uh, mainly on Twitch at Super Spike Getty Bros. Also, join the Discord. I'm in there all the freaking time. Um, we can talk about whatever, uh, video games, all type of stuff. Um, also, check out the YouTube channel, um, Super Spike Getty Bros. And then, uh, you know. Check us out on Twitter. I don't run the Twitter. Mike does. Previous guest. My brother. Yo, yo. Uh, Spike Getty Bros. And uh, Sean, where, where can they find you, sir? You guys can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore AFK. Also on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Sean underscore AFK. You guys absolutely have to follow Alex on Twitter. They made our juiced cover art at Alex underscore Big Boy. Uh, follow Fabio. Fabio or, or Shane, if you're nasty. Uh, on Twitter at Fabio the Iguana. And follow Shane 
Plunkett and Jesse Wright on Meadow Vista Media on Twitter at MVM underscore studio. They were also on the show in that little bonus episode that you should listen to if you haven't already. Also go to the website, MeadowVistaMedia.com. As always, all these links are in the episode description. Awesome. Well, I mean, it's not the last episode, but it's the last episode talking about a new episode. So thank you guys so much. Especially if you watched every episode, you'd be like, I was here, I watched every episode. I I was here, I was here. I love you guys. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week for the recap. We'll talk about some theories and everything. Enjoy your 11sies. We'll see you next week for Second Breakfast. Breakfast.